covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We're kind of at a bit of a mile marker in terms of our number of podcasts. This is podcast number 30. So uh, thank you to everybody who listens, whether you've been listening since episode number one or this is the first time that you have tuned in. We certainly appreciate it. Let's get a few of the formalities out of the way before we really get rolling with things. Uh, First and foremost, if you ever want to get in contact with me, if you want to go deeper on some of the topics that we hit on during the course of the podcast or you just have a general comment or question, always feel free to tweet at me at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. You can also drop me an email if you would like, matt.pauley at wtmj.com. Also, uh, if you uh, listen to the program, uh, maybe on wtmj.com under the uh, where all of our WTMJ podcasts are, that's fantastic. But just so you know, you can get us pretty much everywhere that you find podcasts. So we're on iTunes. If you listen to us uh, on the uh, Apple Podcast, would love for you to subscribe and would also love for you to uh, leave a comment, especially if you enjoy the program on an every week basis. That does a lot for the podcast in terms of other people being able to find it and listen to it. So that's always uh, that's always important to us. We hope as many people as possible uh, do listen to this program. Uh, this week, we've got a couple featured guests, as we always do. We'll have our social media conversation coming up in just a few minutes. Kyle Lesneski will join us. He is the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. And we will also talk with one of our uh, minor league experts in Brad Krause. He's going to join us coming up when we go down on the farm coming up later on. We always remind you that this is recorded on Sunday nights. We try to keep the content uh, as broad as possible, that you can listen to it throughout the course of the week and it not be outdated. But we we do record on Sunday night, so always remember that we are looking at things through the glasses of it being on Sunday night as we talk about things. And I made a good decision. I don't make a lot of good decisions, but I made a good decision uh, when we first started this thing of recording it on Sunday nights because I like talking about good things. And the Brewers have been very good on Sundays this year and have had some of their biggest wins on Sundays this year. And that certainly is the case this week as well. As on Sunday late afternoon in Los Angeles, the Brewers pick up a win against the Dodgers. They take two out of three from L.A., easily the best team in baseball. First team to win a series in Los Angeles against the Dodgers since the first place in the National League East, Washington Nationals, did it in early June. So been better than two months since they lost a series at home. And what this just continues to show you is this Brewers team does not seem to be going anywhere. There's a lot of people out there. And you know what? If I'm being perfectly honest about things, there have been times during the course of this season where I've probably been in this category. There, People have been waiting for the end for the Brewers. At what point would the, you know, would the clock strike midnight, I guess you could say, if you want to use a cliché. And, you know, they've been knocked down a few times. They've gone through some periods where they haven't played great baseball. But my goodness, is this a team that just keeps responding? And as we record this on Sunday night, they remain just two games back of the Cubs. Two games, that's nothing. And they still have seven games left against the Cubs this year. 
From a wild card standpoint, they are right there in that as well. They're the top team out of the playoffs right now as they sit three and a half games back of the Rockies. The Rockies just took two out of three from the Braves, but overall the Brewers have been playing better baseball than the Rockies this year, and I'm not sold on Colorado as being a team that's going to be in the postseason mix this year. Uh, You look at the Brewers, the Marlins, and the Cardinals all as teams that are chasing the Rockies at this point. So the Brewers are right there. And for them to go in and win two out of three against the Dodgers says a lot. I had Steven Vogt, the Brewers catcher, on Brewers Extra Innings, the postgame show we do on WTMJ on Sunday. And if you want to listen to uh, that interview, it's here on the podcast channel. So if you uh, already subscribe on iTunes, you've probably already seen it. If you go to WTMJ.com, you can just scroll down uh, one episode and you'll see the, the conversation I have with Stephen Vogt. It's only about three minutes, and it's a good listen. We talk about a few different things. But he says that you know they made a statement. And that you know, speaking of cliches, that can be a cliche kind of thing. Did you make a statement? There, there's you know, there's a cliche aspect to it, uh, and you know, momentum carries you as far as you know your last series more often than not uh, in the world of baseball. So the Brewers have momentum because they just took two out of three from the Dodgers. But I think this does continue to show you that this team can play with just about anybody. And if you start to do the thing where you look ahead to who knows, maybe the Brewers playing in a divisional series where you have a, a starting pitching rotation that includes some order of Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson, and Zach Davies, that looks pretty good. You, you feel good about those three guys going and facing just about anybody. I thought it was interesting that Craig Council, you know, he, he finagled the starting rotation just a bit to make sure that those three pitchers would pitch against the Dodgers. And it works out well with the Brewers taking two out of three in the series. All right, this is what we have on the program this week. Again, we will be joined by uh, Kyle Lesneski from uh, Brew Crew Ball. That's coming up in just a few moments. Later on in the program, we will uh, go down on the farm, look at the entire uh, Brewers minor league farm system with Brad Krause. And we'll also look at the headlines of the week. And that starts right now. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. We're going to start with a minor league headline to get our Headlines of the Week started this week. Generally, we get to all the minor league stuff during the course of our Down on the Farm segment. But I want to mention this this week as the first Brewers minor league affiliate to clinch a playoff spot is the AAA team, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. This is kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure most of you do because this gets brought up in just about every single podcast that we do, I spent six years in Colorado Springs broadcasting uh, the Sky Sox. The final year was that first year with the affiliation uh, with the Brewers, and that played into how I ended up in Milwaukee. But all that being said, uh, the Sky Sox get into the postseason for the first time in like 20 years. And that's a fan base there that deserves to make it to the postseason and a fan base that's you know losing triple-a baseball and we can say all we want to say about you know it's not a good fit to have the milwaukee brewers playing their triple-a baseball at the Hyden elevation and all you have to do with the uh with the pitchers and everything uh, from a 
from a real-world perspective, that's a community in Colorado Springs that has supported AAA baseball for a really long time, and they're going to lose their AAA franchise here uh, after next year, and at the very least, they get into the postseason at least once more uh, before they lose it for good. So I'm happy for Colorado Springs. I'm happy from a Brewers perspective. You want those players playing in postseason games and you know playing in games that matter in the month of September, no matter what level it is, that's good for development and uh, good to see Colorado Springs make it there. We'll see what happens in terms of who gets brought up from that roster in September. Uh, you can look at Brandon Woodruff. He for sure will get called up and probably be put back in the rotation. Uh, does Brett Phillips get called up right away, or do they allow him to stick around through uh, the duration of uh, their playoff run? If uh, Depending on what happens with Biloxi, do they possibly – get some guys up from Biloxi to join that team to uh, give them some postseason experience here down the stretch. There's a, there's a lot of things to look at. Uh, the Shuckers are four games back in the second half standings. Uh, so they've got some work to do if they want to make it into the postseason with just a little bit of time left. Uh, they may be getting close to being eliminated, uh, but nonetheless, you get the point that maybe some guys from AA end up at AAA to get them some postseason experience. But congratulations to the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. We will certainly have uh, the voice of the Sky Sox, Dan Karcher, back on the program very, very soon to talk about their postseason run. The Brewers make some small moves this past week they claim Aaron Brooks off waivers and this is this is a 40-man roster move he essentially takes the last spot on the 40-man roster Brooks hasn't been anything really special this year for being very honest about things pitching in the Cubs organization at AAA with Iowa he was eight and nine with a 6.20 ERA uh, and those numbers had been pretty consistent over the last couple months. In July, a 6.37 ERA. In August, a 6.27 ERA. This is a guy, though, who's got some big league experience. Uh, he and I saw a fair amount of him when I was working in minor league baseball, and I was always I always thought he was a pretty good pitcher. Uh, Brooks, from a uh, from a major league standpoint, he made his major league debut in 2014 with the Royals. Also was with the Royals in 2015. Spent some time with the A's in 2015. At the major league level, he's appeared in 15 games. He's made 10 starts. Now to make room for him on the 40-man roster, Paolo Espino ends up getting designated for assignment. Espino was a really good story. In fact, we're going to talk more about Espino coming up with Kyle Lesneski in just a little bit. He makes his debut this year in the major leagues and uh, a guy that was up and down for a while was a good story when he got selected It put up good numbers at Colorado Springs his uh, numbers recently at Colorado Springs were not quite as good he finishes with a 4 and 2 record of 4.52 ERA but in four games in the month of August, his ERA had ballooned up to eight with the uh, Brewers this year. He had some good moments, some not-so-good moments, a 6.11 ERA in six games, two of which were starts. He had a two-game period in uh, mid to late June where he ended up going four and two-thirds scoreless innings, and that was somewhat the highlight of uh, the time for uh, Espino where he dropped his ERA from 5.63 to 3.55. But uh, Espino is uh, done, and 
and uh, he actually gets traded to the Rangers. So after he was designated, you have a little bit of time where you can move somebody. He gets traded to the Rangers for cash considerations. So that pipeline between the Brewers and the Rangers organizations, uh, they continue. A scary moment for Julio Mendez, an infielder who plays for uh, the Arizona Brewers uh, there in the Arizona League. He was hit by a pitch on Saturday, and he experienced a cardiac event. Uh, there, An ambulance was called. Some reports have said that his heart actually stopped. CPR was done on him. Uh, they brought in the paddles, and they used those, the, the electrocution, uh, that, that you see. Really scary moment. Uh, as we talk on Sunday night, uh, he is in uh, stable condition but uh, continues to be uh, in critical condition at a hospital in Arizona. A really, really scary moment, and uh, thoughts and prayers certainly uh, do continue on uh, continue with him as uh, that it doesn't get much scarier than that I try to use you know different words to explain that quite simply it does not get uh, any scarier than that and speaking of thoughts and prayers not that this has anything to do uh, with the Brewers but certainly want to mention this because we're watching uh, a national emergency go on down in the Gulf Coast Houston uh, parts of Texas that area Uh, if you would like to donate money to uh, the Red Cross just want to remind you that you can uh, text the word Harvey H-A-R-V-E-Y to 90999. That creates a a $10 donation to the American Red Cross. Again, that is Harvey, H-A-R-V-E-Y to 90999. And uh, you can do that and you will provide a $10 donation to the American uh, Red Cross. So just want to uh, pass that along. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on. Right now it is time for our social media conversation. Happy to welcome back onto the program the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. His name is uh, Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing today? I certainly can't complain, especially after the Brewers taking a series from the uh, almighty Dodgers. So, you know, lot, lots to uh, lots to feel confident about here. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, and let's start with that. We record this on Sunday night, so here over the last uh, couple hours as we're recording, uh, the Brewers pick up a win against the Dodgers, so they take two out of three in L.A. They also go five and four on a three-city, nine-game West Coast road trip. How important and what does it say about this team that not only were they able to win two out of three against the Dodgers, but they have a winning record on what looked to be a pretty uh, pretty darn tough road trip? Yeah, boy, sure. Certainly coming into this thing, it, it felt like this was going to be kind of a pivotal road trip. You know, you, you think of a West Coast road trip, you kind of think of where, where playoff runs and, and seasons can kind of go to die. And and coming into this thing, you know, the Brewers were already looking at a, at a two-game deficit when the road trip started, and, and the Cubs seemingly had a had a pretty easy schedule in front of them, at least compared to what the Brewers have faced in the last week and a half. And, boy, it's certainly encouraging to see them Come through the trip, um, you know, winning winning five out of the nine games, going five and four over the over the duration of the trip, and you know, you, you probably wouldn't have expected it to go two wins in Colorado, two wins in Los Angeles, and then only one win against the lowly Giants. But um, you, you know, we'll we'll take them where we can get them right now, I guess. So you know, like I said, a five and four road trip is certainly something to be encouraged about. That uh, 
that deficit that was two games, you know, 10 days ago is still right there. Two games with the Brewers coming back to Miller Park. We're getting into uh, getting into the September part of the schedule here where there's plenty of interdivision matchups. I think we got another seven games or so against the Cubs um, left down the stretch here. So there's plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities for the Brewers to um, continue to close this gap in the division and, and close this gap in the wild card if it comes down to that too. And, you know, there's there's plenty plenty to feel good about this team about um, after coming through that road trip for sure. One of the things that Craig Council did, and he did it over a week ago, but utilized the off days and rearranged the rotation a bit. And specific, uh, at least, in, I don't know if he ever confirmed this, but the way I saw it, I thought he specifically put together the rotation before the road trip to set it up that you would have Anderson, Davies, and Nelson pitching in this Dodger series. And those three guys all perform pretty well in the series. And all of a sudden, I think when you look at specifically those three guys in the starting rotation, don't Brewers fans have to be pretty optimistic about what what could potentially happen in a in a period where you've got those three guys going yeah absolutely i mean if if you're looking at the rotation today is there any other question that if if we were looking at a playoff series that those would be your number one two and three starters um i i don't think so and it's really been encouraging to see the steps that each one of those guys has taken this season you know chase anderson has continued to pitch relatively well since he's come off the disabled list jimmy nelson went out and threw you know an excellent game today after uh, bouncing back from a, a rough start recently and and Zach Davies has really been outstanding in this second half. I, I want to say um, I saw something a little bit earlier today over his last eight eight starts, I want to say, dating back to June 19th. He's got a 1.67 ERA, um, brought that ERA, season-long ERA, from up over five at one point, now down to 3.91, I want to say. So, you know, it, it's been really encouraging to see the way that he's turned his season around and and when you've got those three guys at the top of the rotation all have their stuff working Anderson Davies and Nelson that's a pretty formidable rotation for for any offense as we saw in this Dodgers series the Dodgers certainly haven't had any trouble putting up runs throughout the course of the season and you know the Brewers are able to put some put together some good pitching performances and you know it kind of goes to show that especially in a shorter series like that you know this this Brewers team matches up pretty well with you know maybe just about anybody they could they could go up against. It's so tough to evaluate the offense. You kind of felt like they got it back going at that home series against Cincinnati, and uh, then they had the seven run game against Pittsburgh, and they go into Colorado and and they play well, scoring runs there, but then struggle against San Francisco. Even in the you know in the in the Dodgers series that they take two out of three, they score a total of six runs over the three games. Are you concerned about the Brewers offense? right now you know it, it's really been it's really been a little bit difficult to watch in the second half of the season because the the whole first half of the season it seemed like the offense was was the carrying was carrying them throughout the throughout the course of the first half of the season and it's just totally flipped the script in the second half the pitching has been you know pretty lights out here for the last seven eight weeks um Yet we see almost night in on a night out basis that the offense has kind of struggled to struggle to put runs up on the board and string hits together. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that this team is very reliant on the home run. And, and that's the way that David Stearns built this ball club. He, we understood going into the season that this was going to be, you know, a home runner bust kind of offense. And, you know, we, we've seen, 
what this offense is like when they're not hitting home runs and and they're not it's a lot of guys who will strike out a lot and guys who don't put the ball in play a lot and from a fan aspect it it can be pretty frustrating to watch when you when you see guy after guy struggle to put the ball in play and and stuff like that but you know we just kind of got to take a take a step back a little bit and and realize you know these aren't the guys that built their offensive game around putting the ball in play it's it's not as easy as just well say, saying to ourselves well they they need to make contact more and that that's just not that's not who these guys are they they swing hard they swing for the fences and you know they they've shown that they can get on these streaks where they'll you know hit two three home runs a game for a couple weeks in a row and and when that's happening then the offense can carry through any difficulties that the pitching staff has had but you know the pitching staff has been there for these last several weeks to kind of pick up for some of these middling offensive performances and you know i i certainly hope that it's something that the team can kind of turn around and and get more on an offensive streak going into september and and as we get closer here to the to the playoff chase um because i don't i don't think that scoring three runs a night on average is is going to be a a way that you can consistently win games in September and, and into the playoffs. You just you want to see some of these guys start to get start to get going here down the stretch. So, yeah, I, I think it. You know, there's a little bit of reason to maybe be concerned, and we just gotta remember who this who this team is, who these guys are individually, and and when we get you know irritated at Craig Council for not bunting or, or stuff like that we just got to remember what kind of team this is this is a power hitting team and and when they hit for power they can put up a lot of runs and when they aren't really hitting for power well then then we're going to see a lot of close ball games like we have been you know of everybody listening right now there's there's a maybe a vocal minority that heard you say the word bunt just now <laughs> and their their faces are just steaming right now because darn it council doesn't bunt enough they say yeah, yeah, no, it's certainly something that I've seen a lot of it on social media this year. I've I've heard a lot of it on on the sports call-in shows and the post-game shows like you host, and you know there is a very vocal minority. And um, I even Adam McKelvey tweeted out something today. Um, there was uh, somebody had tweeted him there was a bunting opportunity or perceived bunting opportunity during today's game and. And um, Adam must have been on vacation, and he tweeted, "Well, I just got off the plane back home from vacation, and I was greeted by a tweet from or a tweet about bunting. So I guess welcome back to me." <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you a true story, and this kind of opens up the curtain about what we have going on at WTMJ. So we have call-in numbers, and there's producers in the studio, you know, during all all the time, and it's it's not me that's picking up the phone when you know just various. There's somebody in the producer studio and literally the in that situation today it was uh, it was a first and second i think one out situation if i remember correctly uh and then there was a double play after that i think it was this maybe the santana double play the moment that happened the phone started ringing into the wtmj studios and our producer had to start talking to people i guess they just want to talk to somebody because they call <laughs> into the wtmj studios and to start talking to the producer complaining about the fact that there wasn't bunting I hope your uh, I hope your producer has a psychology degree too. I guess, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, 
All right, so let's look specifically at uh, Neil Walker because when he was uh, acquired, you kind of thought that, okay, he's going to shore up a spot in the lineup. He's going to shore up second base. He's done more than that. His first game was over at 30, played well. We saw him at first base. Uh, so when if you're not getting production from Thames or Aguilar, you're able to put him at first base. Uh, if, if Jonathan VR is, has a period where his bat's going strong, there's more opportunities to maybe put VR, whether it's at center field or somewhere else. How vitally important has it been for this team for what Neil Walker has been able to do since he's been acquired? Yeah, boy, he really has been a very big addition. And and like you mentioned, you know, when they picked him up, um, you know, a couple weeks ago from the Mets, it, it looked like he was just going to be a guy who plug and play at second, play, second base, a position that the Brewers have kind of struggled to produce at offensively this season. Um, but, you know, even going back to when the Brewers acquired him, one of the things that David Stearns praised Walker for was his versatility. And um, that was something that Walker has kind of talked about, too, since he's come over um, from New York. He said that the unique situation with the Mets this year, where they you know, weren't really in the playoff hunt throughout most of the season, kind of afforded him and the Mets the opportunity for him to try out different positions on the diamond and get more familiarized at third base and get more familiarized over at first base. Um, two positions that you know, kind of broaden his his horizons defensively. And, and you know, for, for a guy like Neil Walker, who's going to be a free agent this winter, you know, he's, he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, expanding your positional, positional horizons and stuff like that is things that can help extend your career. So I'm sure, I'm sure that that's something he's got in the back of his mind as well. Um, but, you know, ever since, ever since he's came over to Milwaukee, he's, he's really been a, a big producer with the bat and, um, as you mentioned, you know, the Brewers have had some, some issues lately with production between Thames and Aguilar over at first base. Neither seems to be ring, so swinging a real hot stick lately. So it's great to have a guy like Walker that you can, you can plug in over at that position and you can give an opportunity to play matchups with, with somebody like Eric Sogard or somebody like Jonathan VR at, at different spots of the lineup. And, um, having a veteran presence like that in the lineup and a switch hitter, a guy who can hit with a little bit of power and, and who, you know, is a lot different from a lot of the other guys in the lineup. And as much as the fact that he, he's a guy who does put the ball in play a lot, um, you know, I, I think he's been a really strong addition to this, to this team, to, to this lineup. And um, personally, I, I would like to see the Brewers maybe see if he would be interested in coming back on a one or two year deal or something like that. Once we get into the off season, but you know, hopefully we got a, a pennant chase and a, and a couple of playoff series to talk about before we get to that point. You bring up the future, so let's bring up this. You you had a piece the other day where you uh, where you quoted a source that there's been some some interest for Domingo Santana, and with with Lewis Brinson, you would think having a job starting next year, you know, an everyday job out of spring training, in, in, in a in a in most scenarios that's going to happen, and, and Brett Phillips being right there, and some other guys in the outfield who are at the upper levels uh, of the minor leagues. Does it make sense for David Stearns to maybe make a move for Santana in the offseason? You know, the, the Brewers are really kind of in a in a good position right now as far as their outfield depth goes. You know, they've got they've got three guys playing every day out there right now and Ryan Braun and Keon Broxton and Domingo Santana, who have all shown that they can, you know, be very good contributors at the major league level. Maybe not, you know, the the jury's still out a little bit maybe on Keon Broxton, but he's obviously shown that he has the tools to be a very good offensive and defensive center fielder for the Brewers. Um, and, and all of those guys are under control for several more seasons. Broxton and Santana haven't even hit 
arbitration eligibility yet. So they've got another four or five years of control with each one of them. And you know what you're going to get, you know, pretty much with Ryan Braun out in left field. Biggest question with him is whether or not he's going to stay healthy. So um, if the Brewers feel comfortable going into next season with an out with a main outfield mix of of Braun in left field, Braxton in center, and then between Brett Phillips and Domingo or uh, Brett Phillips and Lewis Brinson covering in right field and and that fourth outfield spot, then um, you know it, it would certainly be interesting to listen to offers on Domingo Santana. I wouldn't say that they should feel any kind of pressure to move him right now, especially because, you know, like, like I said, these guys are all here. They're all under team control. Um, they're all pretty cheap. It's not like anybody's out of minor league options or anything like that. So, you know, there's, there's still the ability to send these guys to the minors if there's not major league at bats for them. And, and right now where the Brewers are at in, in their competitive cycle, it seems like they're, you know, it kind of at that, window opening stage like the the beginning of what will hopefully be a several year competitive cycle here and um they just I, I don't really think that they should be in any kind of rush to start thinning out their young controllable talent group unless you know if if they're able to pitch a deal to tampa bay or something with um domingo santana as the centerpiece and somebody like Chris Archer is coming back, you know, then that's, that's a different circumstance unless the Brewers are going to be able to get, you know, like a really top end controllable arm to stick into their starting rotation. I just, I don't know how much more value you're going to get at the major league level by sending away Domingo Santana, just because it doesn't, doesn't really feel like where the Brewers are right now, that it makes a ton of sense to move a highly productive and very inexpensive 25-year-old outfielder just for the sake of adding more prospects to the farm system right now. Continuing our conversation with Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor Kyle Lesneski. Small move made this past week. Uh, Paolo Espino was uh, was designated for, for assignment when they went out and got uh, Aaron Brooks off waivers. And then after that, they were able to move Espino in a, in a very small deal to Texas. Cash considerations coming back. So basically, you're giving Espino away. But are you at all surprised, you know, considering last year, the Lucroy trade, where seemingly the Brewers really, really win that trade. Uh, this year, we've seen the Brewers go and, and make a deal with the Rangers to get Jeffress back. Now we see another move where uh, they they move Espino. Are you at all surprised that the Brewers and Rangers continue to uh, do business with each other, especially considering the way the Lucroy trade went down from last year? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly seems interesting. There's there's there seems to be a pretty good level of trust in between the Rangers front office and, and the Brewers front office. And they've shown a willingness obviously to make several moves in the last, in the last few years, even going back to um, prior to David Stern's taking over, Doug Melvin made a move um, with the Rangers in early 2015, sending them Giovanni Gallardo and, and got Corey Knievel and Marco Stiplon and Luis Sardinas back in return. So this is a team that the Brewers have dealt with on several occasions in the last few years and, you know, some major deals and some minor deals. And it just, you know, it, they seem to have a good working relationship with uh, John Daniels and with his front office down there in Texas. And, um, you know, hopefully for for a guy like Paulo Espino, um, a guy who was, you know, a kind of a personal favorite of mine going into this year, uh, had a really compelling um 
minor league minor league statistics over the last few years and and a guy who's got a story that's easy to root for it was great to see him come up and and make his debut with the brewers this year um want to say he got about 29 between 29 and 30 days of mlb service with the brewers while he was while he was up in those four separate stints and uh um the MLB players are able to vest in their pension at 43 days, which at 43 days of service, which is a really big deal. Um, so hopefully, you know, here in September, as we get to September call-ups, um, Espino will have an opportunity to get some big league time down the stretch with the Rangers that he might not have gotten with the Brewers, and, and that'll be something that'll help him and his family going forward. So, you know, best of luck to Paolo, best of luck in Texas. I'm hoping that uh, he can maybe show a little bit better down there than what he did did up here, but um, it certainly seems like the Rangers might be a team that the Brewers will continue to deal with frequently, at least as long as David Stearns is in office. That's a that's a great point by you, and it's kind of a business of baseball thing because once you get that pension vested, you're going to see money pretty much for the rest of your life, and and it grows as you spend more days, you get more money eventually. I think it caps out at maybe it caps out at ten years. I don't know what it caps out at. It's somewhere around there. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is a guy who's the rest of his life can be impacted profoundly if he gets called up in September by the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a story. Um, it's a story that we see every year. I mean, you know, even, even for a guy like Manny Pena before this year happened last year would have been the year that he vested his pension after he spent 11 years in the minor leagues and only played in five big league ball games prior to that. I'm sure that was a pretty big deal for him. And, and somebody like junior Guerra who got his pension pension early, um, early last season after, you know, the, the odyssey that he's had through his major league career. And, and we've seen, you know, with his kind of meteoric rise and fall, how big of a deal that can be because we you don't you don't exactly know when you're these guys and and you're these fringe players when you know maybe you're riding a hot streak that's going to end and you know that kind of is the end of your time in the big leagues and you know it's it's just stuff it's such a tough business to predict where the opportunities are going to be and how you're going to be able to perform when you get those opportunities if you even do receive those opportunities so you know it's it's a really it's really nice for these guys and, and looking at the pension programs of the four major sports, um, the major league baseball players union has really done a much better job than it, than the other, the other four major sports. It seems like of, of making sure that these kinds of fringe players are taken care of by getting, getting them to be able to vest in their pensions much earlier than, than a lot of these other guys that play football or basketball or hockey. I'll finish you with this, and I think anytime, whether it's a homestand or a road trip, you kind of you look at what's coming up and you say, okay, what does the team need to do in this period? Like for the, in my opinion, over this West Coast road trip, I said they got to win at least four. Anything more than four is bonus. They win five, so good on them for doing that. If you're taking that approach, two against St. Louis, four against Washington, is it is it they need to go four and two over these six games? What do you look at uh, over these next six games that they they need? to do as they continue to try to make a run for the playoffs yeah over these next six i would say that four and two is probably a a good mark to try and shoot for um you know it's going to be tough probably to try and take three out of four against washington um so you really want to try and put an extra bit of premium i guess on these two games coming up here against st louis um, try and steal these two if you can in a short series and then head out and then, um, you know, take on Washington, one of the best teams in the National League this year, and, and hopefully you can split the series against them and, 
and keep on looking forward. But, you know, you just, you got to try and, got to try and, you know, capture some more series here as we, as we get towards the end of the season. Cause you can't, I, as much as we want to say, we can't count on the Cubs to keep losing these games. You know, it's at, at some point they're going to beat teams like the Reds and, and beat teams like the Phillies and the teams that they're supposed to beat. So you don't want to, you don't want to be in a position where you're hoping that the Cubs are going to keep, keep losing these games that you think they're going to win because you're not winning the games that you're supposed to win. So you know, four four out of the next six here. I think the Brewers would be in a good position. You just want to keep trying to keep trying to close that gap until until you can reclaim that first place position in the division. Over a Brew Crew ball, man, you guys are putting out solid content on a, on an every single day basis. What can folks uh, expect when they head over to a BrewCrewBall dot com? Um, this week we're going to start looking at some of the potential call-ups that we're going to see in September, both on the um, offensive side of the ball as well as the pitching side of the ball. I'm probably going to take a look at um, some of the improvements that Zach Davies has made over the last several weeks that have kind of powered his um, powered his surge in the second half. And, you know, of course we do our daily prospect reporting and, and report on all the minor leagues and, and how those guys are doing on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, as as we go in here into the minor league playoffs, the Sky Sox just clinched their first division or first playoff series in, uh, I want to say, about 20 years yep. or so. Yeah. Um, so that'll certainly be um, something that we're going to cover closely as, as we get into September here, and, and hopefully the, uh, the Sky Sox can bring home a championship. Well, also, uh, just kind of to plug event you guys have coming up, the uh, the Brew Crew Ball community going to do a, uh, a game outing, that's correct? Yeah, that's um, that's coming up on Friday, September 1st, the series against the Nationals. Um, the tickets are currently on sale. You can find the link at brewcrewball.com to get to the um, the Groovematics ticket of, ticketing event through the Brewers website. Um, tickets are in Section 237. They are currently selling for... A very reasonable twelve dollars a piece, plus a small service charge to the website, and and there are tickets remaining. So, um, you know, if you if you want to meet some of the personalities behind Brew Crew Ball and and some of the commenting community as well as the Brewers Twitter community, um, I do know that there's going to be several people in attendance. So, um, there's still tickets available. Like I said, you can find those on um, on BrewCrewBall.com and and. I'll be out there with my wife, and I hope uh, I hope we can meet plenty of plenty of Brew Crew Ball community members. I think that's Barrel Man Hat Night, right? Um, I I know that there's something going on that night. I can't remember exactly what it is. Maybe it's um, not. I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. Um, I when I booked it for that date, I didn't realize that there was a giveaway until um, I had seen something later on. So that's just you know an extra bonus, I guess, for those that come to the game. Yeah, all right, good stuff. Hey, Kyle, uh, encourage every – it is, by the way, I just found it. It is Barrel Man Cap Night, so uh, awesome. it's a pretty good-looking cap, too. So there there you go. First 10,000 fans, so get there early. Uh, Kyle, always appreciate you taking time with us. Uh, encourage everybody to check out uh, Brew Crew Ball, and uh, we will talk again uh, very soon. Yeah, sounds great. As always, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, so thanks for reaching out. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers X Earnings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on. Right now it's time to go down on the farm. 
And uh, we're, we're very blessed around here at Brewers Experience, the podcast, to have a number of folks uh, who know oh so much about the Brewers minor league system. So another one of our uh, Brewers minor league uh, experts is uh, Brad Krause. He joins us uh, right now. Brad, thanks so much for taking some time with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. You bet. Uh, let's. Uh, this is kind of here as we are towards the end of the season. Uh, teams are going to be wrapping up uh, their regular seasons here pretty soon. And for the Brewers, uh, they, they're going to have some teams playing in the postseason. But uh, just going to kind of go through uh, a number of the teams, specifically the full season teams, and get your take on some of the individuals uh, there. And uh, Let's start with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, who I know you've seen a fair amount of uh, this year. And We can't talk about the Timber Rattlers without talking about Keston Hira, who has just been so good in his time there. Uh, he's been a little bit banged up, so he hasn't played in a while. But uh, what's been your takeaway from uh, a guy who's so far so good, a recent draft pick in Keston Hira? Yeah, definitely. Uh, very impressed with him, um, with the bat at least. That's really all I've seen. I know he, he just played, the, I think it was the one game in the field before he got hurt again. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as the bat, that's a guy that just, you know, he rolls out of bed and he starts hitting. Um, I've not something you expect to see, you know, even from an advanced guy, a college guy like that. Um, but he came into Wisconsin, and like you said, he's just hit the entire time he's been here. What's uh, as somebody who sees the all the levels, what what's the prediction for the point that Keston Hira gets to a level and has to start making the adjustments and maybe runs into a little bit of adversity because so far he's making this thing look easy. Yeah, and generally that first adjustment period is going to be when you hit, um, you know, especially for a college guy, when you hit the full season single A level, um, and he's handled that with relative ease. Uh, the next big jump that you'll see is usually when guys go from high A to double A. Uh, that's usually the biggest step, and then from double A to the major leagues. Um, so double A and triple A are fairly similar, high A, low A, fairly similar. Um, but uh, you know that, like we said, the f- first step that he's taken, he's handled very well, and. The next one will probably be when he works his way up towards Biloxi. Uh, Ronnie Gideon, you know, really opened up eyes last year, and then appearing this year at Wisconsin, a two twenty nine average, but he does hit fourteen home runs, uh, which which leads the team as it sits right now. What's what's that next step for for Gideon? Because people were so high on him last year after his Helena appearance. Now he he looks at times a little bit overmatched with Wisconsin. Is this a guy that you think will keep moving up through the system? Um, he could. He's got a lot of contact issues. Um, you know, a bigger guy, power hitter, you're going to have that from time to time. Um, but he does strike out a lot, so he has problems getting to that power. I think we saw as he's gone along and got more consistent playing time. Uh, he's had a little easier time, you know, getting those power numbers up. Uh, but that's going to be what keeps him advancing if he does advance is, you know, the, the doubles, the home runs. Um, you know, I think he's over 40 extra base hits this year. Uh, so, you know, he's going to have to keep doing that. Uh, the big key for him is going to be making contact consistent. When you look at uh, this Timber Rattlers team, especially from a pitching standpoint, there's a lot of guys that here over the last two, three weeks, they, they've pushed into Wisconsin. And, you know, guys, it, it happens where obviously you're going to move guys up through the entire system. Ha, ha, is there any surprise about maybe how fluid this Timber Rattlers roster has been throughout the course of the year, especially in, in the last month or so? I think you kind of expect a lot of that. Um, there's always going to be a lot of change, especially at the lower levels. Uh, once the draft rolls around, there's going to be a lot of shakeup. 
uh, promotions. There's there's always going to be openings, and players are going to change. Um, but uh, for the most part, some of these guys have come in and done a real nice job. Somebody like Carlos Herrera, I uh, haven't expected him to be the pitcher that he's been, and he, he's outstanding thus far. I uh, went out and tossed another six scoreless innings today. Let's jump ahead to the Carolina Mudcats with you know them and Colorado Springs this year have seemingly been the teams that uh, have had the, the most amount of high-level prospects, and you continue to see Asan Diaz, Lucas Ersig, and Corey Ray on this team. There's been ups and downs for all three of those guys during the course of the year, but it, at, at the very least, it's been fun to see those guys, guys that you expect to be in the majors here in a few years all playing together. It's been fun to see that core playing there with the Mudcats. Definitely. And like you said, that's it's fun to see because for me, going back, I think of that group with uh, you know Prince Fielder, J.J. Hardy, Corey Hart, Ricky Weeks. They all came up together, all got to the big leagues around the same time, and you know and that created a lot of success for the Brewers. So you kind of hope this group will do the same thing. Uh, and having them all at the one level, it, it is uh, a benefit, I think, to have them all play together. Uh, when are you at all concerned, specifically with Corey Ray? And you know, Ray's sitting at uh, at two forty two on the season. His numbers after a really bad July, where he hit below two hundred, he's lifted that a bit in August. As we talk on Sunday night, he has a two fifty three average in the month of August. He has two home runs, twelve RBIs, uh, still with a little bit of time left in the month. How important has it been with Ray to kind of turn this thing around and at least have a, a month of August where it seems like things are moving in the right direction? Yeah, I haven't really seen him play a whole lot this year. Uh, so basically you're going on, you know, scouting box scores, which is never a good idea, um, and the word of people who have seen him. And a lot of the, the guys that I trust, the, you know, scouts, um, folks that write for other publications that have seen him play are still really high on him. Uh, so I, I think he does still have a bright future. Um, you know, obviously his prospect status is maybe taking a little bit of a hit this year. Um, but uh, I think you're seeing with a lot of those guys lately, they're kind of coming on and finishing the season strong, and that's nice to see from them. We're continuing our conversation with uh, Brad Krause, one of our uh, Brewers minor league experts that we bring on to the program as often as we uh, possibly can. Double A Biloxi. Here's, a, the, I think, one of the most compelling, interesting stories this year with Biloxi has been the performance of Nick Ramirez, who, working as a relief pitcher, has pitched to a 1.42 ERA, a guy being transitioned from a position player to a pitcher. A lot of times after he pitches in games, he'll stay in the lineup and you know play in the field. Uh, the Brewers have a decision to make on this guy moving forward. How do you evaluate the future of a Nick Ramirez? I think at this point, his future is obviously as a pitcher. Uh, if he can provide something off the bench with his bat, that's great. I mean, he's obviously always been a power hitter throughout his career. So if he can come in and give you a pinch hit at bat and hit home runs, uh, awesome. But uh, I think uh, if he does eventually make it to the major leagues, it's going to be as a pitcher first. Jake Gatewood uh, joining the Shuckers fairly recently, right there at the, near the beginning of August. He's put up okay numbers so far, 275, two home runs, uh, seven RBIs. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking to you earlier about the, the movement with the Timber Rattlers. How important is it for some of these guys, a guy like Jake Gatewood, to at the very least maybe get a month of experience at the next level to help the, propel them into next season, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great for guys like Gatewood, Troy Stokes, um, you know, ones that has had a chance to get a taste of double A. 
you know, you maybe didn't expect it going into this year, uh, but it's going to benefit them, you know, not only this year, but in the future going forward. You'd assume they'll probably be back at Biloxi to start next season, and they're already going to have their feet wet and, you know, have that little bit of experience, which can only help them. Not really a prospect, but a name that I'm kind of interested in because of how the Brewers acquired him. Aaron Wilkerson last year comes over in the Aaron Hill trade. He'd been playing AAA ball in the Red Sox organization. Went to AAA last year with the Brewers with mixed success, but it's Colorado Springs, so you never really know. He's had a really good year at Biloxi, 10 and 4 with a 3.17 ERA. Is this a guy who's just a you know just a organizational guy, or, or is this somebody who still might have some sort of future in the organization? Yeah, I think he definitely could. He's somebody who had the injury history, um, went and played indie ball uh, before the Red Sox picked him up. Um, so he is a little bit older, as you mentioned, but, um, you know, with the injury history, he doesn't have as many innings on his arm. Uh, I think he's a great example of a guy who they've tried to avoid having him pitch at Colorado Springs. Um, I think that's why, even though he's putting up the great numbers at Biloxi, you haven't seen him promoted. Um, but he's somebody that down the line, uh, you know, whether it's as a starter, if they move him to the bullpen, I could see him uh, definitely. He throws hard enough where he could be a, a help to All the Brewers right. at some level. Let's let's jump to AAA, and today's a big day for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox because uh, they clinch a playoff berth. Their game against New Orleans was canceled because of all the weather, and now they're going, from what I understand, they're actually bussing to Round Rock. I think they were originally supposed to fly. They're actually bussing because of how tough it is to fly right now. No word if any of these games uh, against Round Rock will even get in, but it doesn't matter that much because they end up clinching their playoff berth, uh, I believe, with an Oklahoma City loss. I'm someone who was in Colorado Springs for six years, um, and, and I know that that community has been starved for playoff baseball. It's been 20-plus years since they've been in the playoffs. Now they get into the playoffs. Uh, just how important is it from a Brewers organizational standpoint to have a team filled with guys who are right there knocking on the door of the big leagues to have the kind of success that the Sky Sox have had this season? Uh, it's always good to have winning ball clubs. I think, obviously, the development comes first, and that's something that you might see the Sky Sox run into now with September call-ups here coming up on Friday. They might lose some of those guys who have been contributing. I'd expect at least Brandon Woodruff and, and possibly Brett Phillips as well to come up, um, you know, and then some of those other guys, uh, Taylor Youngman, some of the relievers, uh, could contribute to the Brewers as well. And the big league team is obviously always going to come first. Uh, so it, Great to have a winning team. It's always good to have teams in the playoffs. You know, the, the more you win, I, I think that definitely um, breeds a culture. So it, it's definitely good to have. Um, but uh, again, at the same time, it's always going to be the player development that comes first. Whether it's Lewis Brinson, who obviously is injured now, but even a, a Brett Phillips, these guys have gone up and then they've come back down. I saw it a lot when I was at AAA. Guys would go up, and when they came back down, they weren't the same players, whether it was you know disappointment of not sticking around to the big leagues or whatever it might be. Uh, what does it say about those guys that after they get sent back down by the Brewers that they were able to keep their production at a pretty high level? Yeah, I think that's um, a great sign of the makeup that they have, their character, um, that they would just you know go back without missing a beat. And you know, in a lot of cases, they've come back even stronger. Um, I know you mentioned guys that have been disappointed when they've gone down, and obviously Phillips and Brinson are disappointed when they go down as well, but they haven't let, let it affect their game. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it as well where, um, you know, even earlier this year with Tyler Cravey, he 
wasn't real happy about being sent back down. And, um, you know, he hasn't put together the season that we've seen from him in the past. Uh, but uh, seeing this from guys like Brenton before he got hurt, seeing it from Phillips, uh, it definitely speaks a lot about them, uh, about the makeup that they have, the mental toughness that they have to be able to handle that shuffling back and forth. Cravey has pitched to a 6.12 ERA this year, and I'll ask you to speculate here, which probably isn't completely fair, but I'll do it nonetheless. Uh, does does the way it went down at the beginning of the season with Cravey, do you think that affected the way uh, his season has gone with the numbers that haven't been especially good? Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> like you said, it would be pure speculation, and I don't think that's really fair to Tyler to, um, you know, to even hazard a guess. Uh, you know what? Obviously, pitching in Colorado Springs isn't easy, um, so you, you can chalk a lot of it up to that. But uh, you know, it, it's obviously disappointing for any player when something like that happens. Um, so it's to me, it's human nature, and it's going to affect you. But um, you know, as you said, it, it doesn't affect everybody. Guys like Brinson and Phillips have have handled it where other guys might not handle it quite as well. On the other side, you have Taylor Youngman, and here's a guy who dislike Colorado Springs so much that he wouldn't even say the words Colorado Springs in interviews um, you know, during the spring and everything, and now he ends up back there. And he's got a 2.77 ERA. This is, I didn't expect that out of Youngman. This is, this is eye-opening that he's been able to have the level of success that he's had. Yeah, definitely. It's great to see from him. Everybody always expected, you know, obviously a first-round pick. I expected great things from Youngman. Um, but uh, the last couple of years has definitely been a struggle for him, so it's nice to see him kind of turn things around and getting things going, even at, as you mentioned, at, at Colorado Springs, where he's not particularly fond of pitching. It's, uh, it's always interesting with the minor league playoffs because we're coming up on September 1st, and you see uh, – you see the big league team come and, and grab some players, and yeah, I know the Brewers are going to respect the playoff run of the Sky Sox, but they're also not going to not call guys up that could potentially uh, help the team. It's just part of minor league baseball, but uh, certainly going to be uh, interesting to see what this Sky Sox team looks like once uh, the playoffs actually begin after September 1st. Yeah, absolutely. And taking a look at that Sky Sox roster, there's not a whole lot of guys that are on the 40-man that are going to come up right away on September 1st and help out. So they shouldn't take too many hits. Um, you know, obviously Woodruff's probably going to go back into the Brewers rotation. And there's a chance that somebody like Phillips or Youngman could come up. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of veteran players on that Colorado Springs team. Um, Ivan De Jesus, uh, Chris Caldello, they just recently picked up. Um, so there's a lot of veteran-type players on that team. So they, they shouldn't really... Um, affect them too much with the September call-ups. Do you see a scenario where a Quentin Berry could somehow find his way onto the 40-man roster just to be a, a base-running, base-stealing specialist for the Brewers in the month of September? He could, definitely. If um, you know, if the Brewers stay in it and they can free up a spot on the 40-man roster, uh, a guy that I had thought of uh, for the last couple months in that role was Johnny Davis down at A Biloxi. Uh, he's one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. And, you know, I thought he might be a guy that they'd uh, try something like that with. But if there's a room on the 40-man roster, which it shouldn't be too difficult to free something up, you got guys like Yadiel Rivera there. You can always um, designate if you need to make a spot. Uh, so if they stay in it and they think that pinch runner, um, you know, defensive replacement guy off the bench would be beneficial, 
I could definitely see somebody like Barry being at it. He is Brad Krause. You can follow him on Twitter at bkrause2. That's K-R-A-U-S-E-2. Uh, in addition to being uh, one of our uh, minor league experts, uh, does a lot of photography. Uh, that's where you see uh, some of his work on, on some uh, baseball cards and so forth. Krause Sports Photography uh, is his website if you want to check that out. Brad, always appreciate you taking some time with us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again uh, down the line. Not a problem. Sounds great. That was my conversation with Brad Krause, and we appreciate him taking some time with us as we do an overall look at the Brewers' uh, minor league system. And again, during our headlines of the week, we uh, spent a lot of time on the Sky Sox and them clinching a playoff berth, which is uh, which is fantastic and a chance to watch uh, more Brewers players play more and play in games that matter here during the stretch of the season. All right, let's look ahead to what's going to be taking place this week for the Brewers. Again, we record this on Sunday night. Monday is an off day, so they get another off day. There's just been a bunch of off days recently. It's been a real blessing for the team because it's given the, um, them the ability to carry a four-man rotation. And the real, the real substance to having a four-man rotation is the ability to uh, keep an extra position player. And whether that's Eric Sogard, you know, when Neil Walker was acquired, it kind of seemed like Sogard might have been the guy uh, who's out. He's played well since, had a good game on Sunday, made a great defensive play. Don't know who it would have been, but nonetheless, having a four-man rotation and being able to carry that four-man rotation all the way through until September call-ups has been very good for the Brewers bench. But nonetheless, this is what it looks like this week. It'll start with a two-game series against the Cardinals on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday night is a 6:40 game. Wednesday is a 110 game and then they've got a four game series against the Washington Nationals that will go Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday that's a big series against a first place team I, I think you look at these games and I said this earlier with Kyle you you hope for maybe four and two four and two would feel pretty good against these teams and maybe the the, the most logical path to four and two over the course of these six games is taking both those games against the Cardinals and then splitting the four-game series against a pretty good Washington Nationals team. I don't know what the exact equation would be, but uh, that would be uh, that'd be a good way to go about it. As always, you can hear all the games on WTMJ, unless there's a Packers conflict. So, for example, on Thursday night, when the Packers are playing their final preseason game, the Brewers game is actually going to be bumped over if you're in the Milwaukee area to 94.5 FM. That's uh, the FM sister station of WTMJ. That is KTI country. But outside Packers conflicts, you can hear all the games on WTMJ. I do the post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings, the the, the post-game show. Uh, That airs after all night games during the week and all weekend games as well on WTMJ. We won't do the games uh, that are on KTI Country, uh, so won't have one on Thursday, but you can hear those games. And if you're somebody who lives uh, out of the market, uh, whether you're somewhere else uh, in the Midwest, maybe you listen on one of the uh, Brewers Network stations or uh, you're beyond that, uh, you can always go to WTMJ.com and listen to the Brewers Extra Inning Show online. We have to uh, block out the stream during the course of the actual network radio broadcast, but once that wraps up, the stream becomes active again, and you're able to uh, listen to the postgame show. I'd love for you to join us. We take phone calls. We, we do all that, so it's a good chance to uh, continue the conversation about the Brewers. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this week. Thanks so much for being tuned in. It was another good week for the Brewers. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. 
Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to A Home with the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.